up guys welcome to our first podcast <laughs> i'm your co-podcaster remy and i'm the other co-podcaster serena what's up hi guys nice to meet you all <laughs> um so just a quick content warning before we start any of this we are talking about the reclamation of some derogatory words in and out of the queer community um, and some of these topics might be sensitive to some people. So if um, you don't want to sit through that, this might not be the podcast for you. Two bros chilling in the hot tub, five feet apart because they're not gay. Cool. So <laughs> um, I'm Remy. I'm in year 11. And I am a really good cook. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Serena. Um, I'm currently in uni. Um, I'm in my second year of uni. And um, yeah, I don't know what else I can really say about myself. But what we Not can... Very good. Sorry? Not very good at cooking, are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually vegan and celiac. That somehow always comes up in like a get to know me conversation. Um, so that's really cool. Um, I think we should share like maybe our first or like best memories with each other. Do you want to start? Okay, I'll start. Um, one time me and Serena were just chilling in the hall. We were actually cleaning up something and um, Serena's actually the Gizbarita of Hubbo. If you guys didn't know, she does all the money stuff. Um, she just looks up. It wasn't even in the conversation. Look, she just looks up. She just looks up and looks really sad and she's like, I don't even know why I'm disparate. I'm really bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, look, I was in a point of weakness. I was really tired. I had a lot to do. I had a lot of parents calling me about payments and numbers and maths. And I, like, wasn't really feeling equipped. I just had a moment of, like, I lost my confidence for a bit. But it's all right. She comes and goes, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, actually... Also, what's fun about this little combo here is that um, this semester I've started leading Year 11s at Hubbo, um, leading AL, which is crazy. Um, She's leading me. Yeah, Remy's AL. Um, Remy is AL. No. um, So that's been really, really great. And um, we had camp recently and me and Remy decided that we were going to start a business and um, nobody steal this idea. I'll tell you what we did, but nobody steal it, okay? So so I'm pretty sure everybody's aware of those like kosher Israeli lollies that are thrown out at bat mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs in shul. Um, They're just so yum. Like they have blue, orange, green, pink vibes. So we were just sitting there and Remy grabbed a popsicle stick, a brown one, and put the lolly on the stick. And then started sucking it as if it was a lollipop. And it lasted for what? How long did it last? Literally half an hour. Yeah, like, yeah, like literally probably more than half an hour. It was nuts. Um, so, you know how the, those lollies just go so quickly. So it's like this invention, we were just sitting there like, oh, my God, like we're the next best thing in the Jewish community, like globally, actually. Um, so we, we actually started a business right then and there in at the Harbour House, which was really great. Nice. Yeah. So let's get into the let's get into the, the real stuff, hey? Um, before we started recording and in the lead up to um, 
making this podcast, we obviously did some research and looked into like the foundations of where some terms come from. Um, Maybe, Ram, do you want to like discuss a couple and then see how we go? Cool. Okay, so we'll just start like generally um, about terms within the queer community. And I guess we should start with queer. I feel like that makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So like the definition of queer um, from the dictionary that I found means something like strange, odd or peculiar. Um, And that's really interesting because, you know, like queer people, I guess, were um, at the time that this word was derogatory were seemed strange and odd. Um, being different to the norm so that um, that's where it comes from yeah Um, but that is also one of the most um, reclaimed word now like the queer community is like a very positive term to use it has like unless it's in the mouth of a homophobe it doesn't really have any negative connotations Mm. Um, it's an awesome thing that we've been able to um, reclaim that word because I use it a lot I think it's a very cool word Mm. it's really interesting that like we throw around these terms all the time like honestly like there's so many I mean we have so many that we're going to talk about but it's so interesting that most people probably don't understand where it comes from um and I think part of the conversation today is is it important to know where it comes from before using it um or can you just reclaim it knowing what it means to you individually yeah and I think that's why some of these words are pretty dangerous um, in terms of insults, because people who use them don't even know where they come from and they don't know that they're actually being um, taken from such a touchy, like, um, past. Mm. That's where it becomes a bit um, dangerous between reclamation and, like, um, insults. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I also think um, the other, like, very common ones are, well, maybe less common now is faggot, but definitely, like, still used and still common. Um, and also just gay, like the word gay and how that's thrown around. Do you want to maybe talk about like where those two terms came from? And yeah. Yeah. Well, just personally, really quickly, those are the two most um, used words for me that I know that people use as insults. Um, so the word faggot actually comes from, it means a bundle of sticks and where that relates to, it actually relates to gay men specifically because in the times where it was really, really, really frowned upon um, to be a gay man, they would, um, they'd usually get abused by like fire or like um, get burnt. And that relates to like the bundle of sticks being burnt. So they'd be used, um, be called faggots or like fags now is also the same meaning. Um, And gay means technically this is actually really different because the word gay means like full of joy or like someone who is full of joy and it's really interesting because people use it as an insult but not because of what it actually means is because what we reclaimed it to be is like a gay person and people use that as the insult like that's so gay they don't mean happy they mean the person who's gay fully i also think just before we continue obviously we're just speaking from like We've done a bit of research, you know, we've also from personal experience trying to navigate the queer community and our identities and sexualities. Um, And we've, you know, just kind of gone around in circles of talking about it and talking to others about it. Um, But a quote, before we continue, a quote that we have from Lovey in Auckland, um, Hubbo Mud, um, is, 
It can be positive for the community, but a bigger issue is that if people see queer people using derogatory words against other queer people, others outside of the queer community think that it's okay. I think that's super interesting. I think like the whole conversation of who's allowed to say it and if you're within the queer community, does that give you a like clear pass or whatever it's called? you know, to, to use those terms even in a derogatory term, in, even in a derogatory way too. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that um, it actually comes a lot. Uh, comes down on um, whether you're using the word for its derogatory meaning or, or its reclaimed meaning, if they're two different things. Like, for example, the word gay. When I use the word gay, I mean it to be something that's stero- like actually like stereotypically gay. I'm not talking about like, someone who like I'm not using as an insult so I like don't find that offensive even when someone who's not from the community does the same thing I don't really find it that offensive um and that's like the difference between the old meaning and the new meaning or like the reclaimed meaning um same as we are but words like um faggot who have been reclaimed but like they um don't really have a new meaning it's just being reclaimed by the community um depends a lot on it well like whether you consider yourself to be part of this community if you can say it or not yeah it's 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 so hard because terms that have a history or that have a connotation can affect people in a way that you have no idea so you you don't know when it's okay to say it and I remember in high school I remember having this conversation with one of my friends and it was about the word retarded and she and she kind of had this point of view where she was like I'm not going to say it around people that I know are sensitive to it. And she's like, but otherwise, if I'm in the context of people that I know are fine with it, then why does it matter? And I think, like, that's a really interesting point of view um, because, firstly, how do you know who's, who's sensitive and who's not when you're, in, when you're in a public space or when you're in a space that you can't just assume how people feel about things? Um, and secondly, like, yeah, back to the same thing of who... Like, who is allowed to say it. Like, where does free speech come into this conversation? And also, I, like, I, at that point, was under the impression I was like, well, you haven't experienced any education into um, people that, who are living with disabilities, so why is it appropriate for you to throw it around not knowing the meaning, right? Um, I know I'm asking, I'm, like, saying a lot, but do you have to then be somebody that's experienced queerness um, to be allowed to, to, to use these terms in a, in a way that's reclaiming or even as an insult? It's a very interesting concept. For me, I, as a benchmark, there's, like, all these things that are just, like, blatantly sexist, homophobic, racist, ableist, and I will just follow that. But also something that I go by is, like, if someone from that community says that it is um, racist, homophobic, anything then it is like if they are within the community and they say that it is an insult or hurtful I'll stop doing it because that's just disrespect and then it like that's where it comes up with the words like if you're inside the community um and you say and you're outside the community and you don't it it differs per person who is inside the community to um be okay with whether other people say it or not Mm, yeah well what about what about the stance of like 
you can't reclaim words that have an oppressive history. Like, because I, like, I, see, I don't really know where I sit with this all yet. I just think that I'm very much someone to value being sensitive to people's experiences and also being aware of them before I start using terms that might be offensive. But, for example, the word bent, which is used as, like, a... It's not, it's not so directly... Um, um, what's the word like it's not so it's not so directly involving like oppression um but I would say that it's more passive especially because being bent is something that's firstly not straight and secondly like um it's not almost as almost with the with the um insinuating that it's not the ideal because it's it's off going straight if that makes sense I don't know if I well yeah we didn't really have this in our notes but what we were talking about before with like um Florence Given where she says that um you're gonna like once you become like a feminist or you start talking about all this stuff you're gonna start second questioning everything Mm -hmm. and even the word like the word straight itself like I never used to think about this and we don't even have it on our list of words to talk about but it yeah technically means something that's like in the right direction which is if you think about it it's not like um very accurate towards like our conception of the time and like that community mm. so yeah it's it's and traders too yeah it's so interesting like it kind of does just like get into your mind in terms of like where does that come from like is is that an insult and then i think that but i think that every time you do research into it or you do think about it like a step further or for like a couple seconds longer you'll find some element of um intentional or unintentional homophobia or internalized homophobia even which we'll get into soon yeah yeah just shows how rooted it is within like every part of our society Mm. yeah exactly i feel like i feel like an interesting thing to talk about is like what's our experience with hearing these terms or like you know as in you're still in school so i'm curious to whether it's thrown around at school a lot and what is you know the not percentage but you know how many people actually are aware of what it means or have experienced um queerness or gender confusion or anything to do with it um so I, my experience mainly um, is around the word gay and it's in two parts. So a lot of people I know at school still use the word gay. It's like an insult for something that's like something that they don't like. But then some people have also um, like wanted to continue using this word whilst not being in the LGBT plus um, community and still wanting to use the word. But now they just use it for like feminine, pre- like feminine presenting or like unmasculine like presentation. Um, which is also really interesting because I think about it and it's like for them, like if you have this like sort of narrow mind view, like it makes sense and they wouldn't find it rude if you're like calling someone gay because that's what they like a stereotype to be. But as someone within the community and a a lot of education around this topic, like not being feminine presenting is not like, it's not equal to being gay. So um, that's, I, yeah, my, my, um, experiences are mainly with that word yeah I'm trying to think because I think that um 
It's interesting, especially being predominantly in a left-leading space um, within my family at Hubbo, friendship group, also my like uni and my my course. Um, It's interesting because I think that it's only ever thrown around, ironically, or to mock people that would actually legitimately use that as an insult, which is super interesting because it's like, I don't actually know if that's necessarily okay. Just because you know it's wrong and you're saying it in this ironic way, is that okay? Yeah. I mean, with um, words um, like the N-word, that is 100% not okay. Like, we Mm. we know facts and so many people do. Um, But, like, for some reason they might think that it's okay with, like, words about the queer community, which is um, an interesting, like, juxtaposition, I guess. Yeah. I think I also to add on to kind of what you were saying before, it's like, it's funny that people put, not funny, it's interesting that people put words, um, like label people as, use these words as an insult because their existence questions their reality. So, you know, we another word that we have down here is like um, fairy or even like a pufta or whatever. Um, and we have that to be defined as like a feminine presenting man or um and yeah kind of what you were what you were saying before is like when you are in somebody's face questioning their reality they throw back an insult and they associate this word with you that firstly might not be accurate and secondly doesn't have any like sensitivity or thought put with it um but what's interesting about that is the whole idea of breaking those expectations of what people appear to be in terms of gender um, and that, that I think that's a huge part of the queer community's existence and history is that they're questioning the reality of gender and they're also, like, diversifying it. Um, it's, it's much more complex and it's much more all-inclusive for everybody's experience and there's not one way to appear as a woman and there's not one way to appear as a man um, and there's also people that are no longer associating with um, either genders, but it's m- more become a spectrum um, and much more complex. And we have we have down here the idea of gender performativity. If you want to go into your thoughts on that, um, just really quickly about that before I think it's a really interesting concept. How, um, like the, our I think it's even like our generation or a few generations above us have like created these new. Um, insults like fairy like that has it has no meaning behind it like the word fairy actually means like like the idea of a fairy but yeah. like the word it actually comes from like a very heavy history and still and like to compare people using them both of ins, um as insults it's just really interesting um to compare like you actually have nothing to insult them on and you're creating this new idea mm, exactly uh, it's the discomfort it's like you need to be labeled something and it needs to be quite, it needs to be an insult because I'm not comfortable with it, you know? It's very, um, yeah, weird, scary. Yeah. Okay, so with um, gender performativity, um, I think basically my whole thing around this is that, like, we're in an ever-evolving world and, like, binaries are no longer relevant um, in most um, areas of my life, I know. Um, and with that, it like definitely surrounds the queer community because um, 
that's what happens when you like are part of this community you start to um, present differently um even people who are outside of the queer community that present differently um might be like um part of these insults because of their gender performativity like it's really um it's like the opposite of passing yeah yeah no fully i think that it's it's so interesting because i think that well, the concept of gender performativity, I learnt it through uni, through um, Judith Butler's, she's like, yeah, an American philosopher, um, and she wrote this book, Gender Trouble, um, which is where she kind of first establishes and introduces the concept of gender performativity. Um, and she kind of, she writes about it um, in such an interesting way, um, but basically is saying that she thinks gender is essentially just a performative repeti- repetition of acts associated with male or female. So she's basically saying that there's actually no way biologically, I mean, there are biological elements, but in terms of how to dress, how to speak, your tone, um, just like different behaviours, that's all socially constructed. That's her argument, basically. Um, and that at the end of the day, you know, a, a, a woman or a female identifying person wakes up and puts on clothes to perform and meet the standard of what a female should be appearing as in society and what's acceptable. I think that in term, in the context of being queer, um, it's so interesting because I think that these expectations um, really, really reflect, restrict people's ability to actually properly understand themselves and to, to understand what, what they actually authentically exist as without the gendered expectations. Um, because also an element of being um, female passing and, be, and performing as a female is being attracted to a man, right? So when you're, you're born and being raised in a society that is telling you how to perform as a female, it's really heteronormative. Uh, and there's no real encouragement to challenge your gender or to, um, you know, break free from these expectations because it's so ingrained. Like, I don't know, I don't know your experience of like, you know, all these kinds of things in terms of like fashion or like, if you know, be even just like understanding this and then associ- and then like applying it to your life and your experience is a really hard thing to do. I was just looking at um, a bunch of like the words that we were going to talk about as well. And the word dyke really fits into this sentence because yeah. I was looking up the definition and it actually means like in like sort of a sciencey term, I guess it was the, what I got from it is that it means like the mass of um, matter that fills a hole or a ditch. I don't, I don't know. But like when you think about that sentence, it's like, is that me like dykes are like people like women, um, who don't fulfill the stereotype or like meet the standards of expected women like in society and that's again like once you've already like breaking the barrier of not doing that then it's so much um easier and more likely for you to like um experiment with um like performativity and that I just thought that was really cool how it intertwines yeah yeah I mean exactly and like it's funny that um for you know for like the more conservative community the queer community is a threat because it challenges it challenges gender stereotypes um 
and doesn't just challenge them. It's created new ways to exist. <laughs> and like, that's really daunting. And I fully understand that. Um, and, you know, like, again, like this is just Remy and I speaking on like what we think about it. And it's totally understandable that people have their different experiences with it. And everybody is to an extent to put like a product of their environment. Um, and that's totally fine. But it's just interesting to analyze it and to also be critical of it and to be critical of where it comes from. And I also think it's, it's also just interesting for us to speak about how we feel it's affected us and our natural growth, if that's even possible in such a socially constructed world. Through <laughs> <Screw> that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, so we'll just get another quote um, for a bunch of um, new starters. So Ricky in Melbourne said that um, being queer has also kind of become a bit of a trend lately, which is interesting to compare to the origin of the word. So as we said before, the origin is um, something odd or peculiar. So it means that like that alternative aspect um, is what the word queer means. And now that it's become like so like we're... we're um, more accepting in these times um that's yeah yeah it that's it's so interesting like well actually we were saying before is it a trend or are we just existing in the world more yeah i actually it's don't a, know <laughs> can you guys tell us because we have no idea whether we're like in this really like <laughs> get bubble or we're actually getting there some like we're getting to some points I was saying before we started recording, I was talking about TikTok and how it becomes, what's it called? The um, algorithm. Yeah, the algorithm. That the more, you know, things that you watch that are of similar like topic or like whatever, um, your feed just becomes like re- repeats of similar things and it becomes a whole like, you know, world of the same thing. And we were saying that like we have a lot of gay TikTok on our, on our TikTok. And I said, well, it's, it's awesome. Like everyone's like coming out and this is so great. And um, I feel like everyone's being liberated by this. But then I was kind of like, well, hang on, like, are they? Or, or am I just creating a full-on echo chamber for myself? Exactly. <laughs> like I, yeah, my favorite type of like shows and movies are ones with like really good representation. So yeah. I watch all of them and then I'm like, wow, like TV these days is so progressive. But then my friend takes me to like this movie in the cinemas and it's just like really straight, <laughs> really cis, everything. Yeah, it's actually really scary to think that you can create that for yourself. And and like, look, you, we definitely do. And like, we definitely are predominantly in accepting spaces. Um you know, but I, it, I think that it would be really scary to be in a more um, conservative or, like, religious community or context and to see what, the, like, responses would be to these kind of conversations. Like, is it? And I guess... I don't know. Yeah, if you scope out that much and go that little bit further, you could basically comment on, A, that's a thing about, like, um, being privileged as, like... Mm-hmm possibly like passing privilege or white privilege or like progressive privilege everything um which is so interesting yeah oh fully even just like yeah not having people question your gender or question your sexuality yeah Um, that's a huge privilege and I think that like 
it, you know, you don't want to take away or ever forget people of the queer community that have and are having really, really difficult experiences with this. Um, and also like a history of aggression and violence and um, a, like a huge lack of acceptance also like within schools. And, you know, we could go into that forever. Um, but it's definitely important to acknowledge that it's very lucky that we do to an extent exist within an accepting community. Um, that's, that's huge. I want to read this um, quote, just quoting all our friends. <laughs> Thanks, friends. Um, so this is um, from Matt Levy in Melbourne. Um, and he said, people can use derogatory terms in the queer community to self-deprecate. He explained that this is where it becomes confusing. Thoughts? Do you want to explain what deprecate means to our viewers and also me, but mainly our viewers? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> um, so to, to self-deprecate is basically to just put yourself down and to, to make a comment at the expense of your own experience. No, um, guys. So, yes, yes. <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't know. I don't, I don't know maths. It is just... <laughs> math. I don't know how to gay. No. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> okay, wait, back to the quote. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, for example, like, um, people using the derogatory terms, but it not being super empowering, it just being self-deprecating. So, for example, somebody who's gay being like, fuck, I'm... Someone who's gay being like, I'm so gay, but in a, in a, with a negative connotation. Um, mm. And I, I think it's confusing. Yeah. Also, um... The whole idea of stereotyping, like within the community and outside of the community. So, um, like within the community, it's like a gay da, right? But outside of the community, it's stereotyping. So that's a really um, confusing concept as well. So if you're like, if you're stereotyping within the community and it's disguised as a gay da, is that self-deprecating? Mm. We'll never know. Yeah. It's just so interesting because we can talk about this round in circles, but at the end of the day, it's like everybody has their own right, I suppose, to like say what they want. And I mean, actually, I don't even know if I agree with that. <laughs> We're doing circles here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually do think that a big part of somebody's self-deprecation and, and all of that is hugely internalised and is... A, a massive element of internalized homophobia and you know you know like um people who are gay who are like yeah I'm gay but like firstly like they, they won't have any they won't have anything to do with like other gay people if they don't have gay friends like they'll you know exist by themselves as gay and also won't really associate themselves with pride or with rallies or with being really outspoken and a, a, a gay active a, a, like you know queer activist um which is totally fine like there's not there's not one way to to experience being queer um but to what extent is that a form of internalized homophobia maybe we should explain kind of 
internalized homophobia and what it means. So the Wikipedia definition, which is 100% accurate because Wikipedia is the most, most reliable place, um, but it says internalized homophobia refers to negative stereotypes, belief, stigma and prejudice about homosexuality and the LGBT plus um, community where it turns inward onto yourself, um, whether or not you identify as being part of that community. Mm. Um, yeah, honestly, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I think I definitely experience internalized homophobia, like for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it does become very subconscious and I suppose that is an element of it being internalized and being socially conditioned and um, there is that disapproval of yourself because it's not something that you maybe see a lot, lack of representation, um, lack of acceptance and yeah. I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a key point in this conversation is that um, because people aren't normalized and used to it, you reject it because it's uncomfortable. And I think that a lot of people that um, would outwardly reject um, people who identify as queer or or whatever, um, I, I suppose, but like we're using queer as a pretty all-inclusive term, um, but we understand that like it's more complex than that. Um, it definitely, there, there definitely is an element of internalized homophobia in everybody, whether you're like, yeah, directly rejecting it um, and you don't, you know, you don't know why or you're accepting of it but still have thoughts or still have a bit of discomfort when you have a, a feeling or an attraction or, yeah, an experience. For me, the... the um, the idea of internalized homophobia has such a large, broad spectrum. Like on one end, one one end you have like people being homophobic up until and past being a part of the community and like coming yeah. out as like being a part of the community, all the way to like, you know, I, like I have an example. Like in my first not straight relationship, I was still wondering if I was not straight. And I like, don't know, I didn't like looking back on that. I don't know how that works, but in my brain at the time it made sense. And I guess that's like a really small aspect, but it it's so large and the ways you can experience it. Yeah. I also think like, I also think our experience as women like comes into this as well, because there is an element of the patriarchy in this. And speaking of internalized homophobia, I think that it's linked to internalized misogyny in that being women, um, you do crave the validation of a man and you not only feel as though a heteronormative relationship will reach the standard, but as a woman to reach the standard of being a woman, you need to be validated by a man. So you know, it's kind of like there's a whole added layer to all of that in that am I legitimate if I am being validated by another woman or by mm. somebody who's non-gender conforming? Like we're learning in my lit class at the moment, we're learning about um, the absence of a male presence in the family. Like does it get replaced by the mother? Um, 
is it a whole forever or do you like grow up to be that figure? Like what happens? And it's really interesting. Um, just another quick thing. Like I know that um, like the word for me, this is personally, but the word gay seems much more appropriated and um, reclaimed than the word lesbian. Like they're both equal. Like they mean the same thing, whether they're opposites or similar, but like I've never ever said to anyone that I'm a lesbian and we haven't even, this is the first time we've said that word in this podcast. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Honestly, I, yeah. I, and is that a, the patriarchy? Like it's, it's about like girls liking girls is like worse because there's like the missing of like the, like the patriarchy yeah. or is that just because of what? We did I this. was watching what? a TV show where there was this whole um, family like, falling apart because the parents accepted the son being gay but would not accept the daughter being lesbian and Mm. it's interesting that people you know an experience that is experienced by a man is more legitimate in the eyes of like society than women being with another another woman i mean also yeah I think there's an, an element of, like, being lesbian. In, in the, like, the essence of that word, there is sexualization. Like, and two women being together is um, highly sexual. Yeah, 100%. I, my, guys, this is a bit of a, a bit of a promo here, but my favourite TV show is Killing Eve, right? It is, it has really good representation. It's a great TV show. But the book was written by a man and the TV show was, like, written and produced by a woman. Um, And I went back after watching the TV show and decided to read the books. And the books are just, like, really fetishised. Like, there's, like, a bit of sex scenes in it. Like, in the TV show, it's, like, this beautiful love storyline. Like, it's that, like, the difference is insane. Yeah, for for sure. Wow. Wow. Also, the pride flag, which is, like, I don't know whether this comes under the term of, like, reclamation or not, because, like, um, I'm not sure. I haven't really done research as to, like, when it was made and when it would start being used. But um, what I want to talk about is when companies capitalise off the pride flag. So, like, you know, we have Pride Month, um, which is amazing, Um, the best month in the year, in my opinion. Um, But, yeah, like, you find as soon as, like, Pride Month starts, you, like, you've got companies, like, selling these, like, rainbow clothes and the ads are all rainbow and really inclusive, but then the day that it ends, it stops. Everything's back to being binary, back to being straight, black and white. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, like, um, it's so hard because it's, like, you know, companies just, like, taking something that has so much, history and so much meaning for so many people and just like using it as like you know taking advantage of it um and i think that i've i've seen you know more recently that people are calling that out and being like you know you don't have any kind of allyship with the queer community and you don't have any other sorts of um support or connection um or relationship with queer conversations so this is inappropriate um 
And then it's like, well, do you want like no support then or fake support? True. Yeah. And it's hard because so many people think so differently about these things and it's really personal and it's really hard for something like this to be an individual experience when, you know, I would say that it's more powerful to exist within a collective. And there definitely is a collective element and a community element for sure of the queer community um, globally. However, it, it is interesting and it's worth noting that a lot of people have very, very different views on all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, it's, and I think, like, an important thing to note is that we've talked about a lot of these terms um, and even what we were saying before about being gay and being lesbian and how and where does the word lesbian come into this and, um, you know, when does one, why doesn't someone feel comfortable using that? Like, wh- why is gay the one that's, so, like, socially acceptable um, potentially? And not, like, as in a whole other thing of that is, like, labels and like <laughs> where, <laughs> and where do labels come into this and that's also a point of of um discussion for a lot of people i don't know what do you think about it yeah well as we said at the start and also you just said like a bit this is like um a lot to do with like personal opinion like if you're willing to go by labeling them like 100 percent, that is amazing um good job go you but like if someone is not um like ready to or doesn't like even like believe in like the idea then that should also be like 100 percent respected mm-hmm. um as with everything um but yeah labels are very interesting because you there's i think there's two there's two things to it personally there's the figuring it out yourself and then there's the using it Mm. like people that might not be able to do both might not be able to do one or the other like it's yeah double decade and like i think it's important you know to understand the experience of not really not really identifying with labels but feeling as if you need to to be explained like you need to offer an explanation to the people in your life and to even the people that are like aren't close to you but it's not okay for your sexuality to just be ambiguous I think I understand that individually it might be very empowering to be labeled and to understand that and to feel comfortable in that um, and I, I totally understand that I actually am not sure where I sit with this at all but I also think that it's hard when it becomes something that is for the approval of others and for the validation of others and that your experience, um, you know, yeah, might need to be validated by those in your life. Um, and that can be, that could be really good and that could be helpful. Um, but I think it can also be difficult for someone's experience when you're just trying to like figure it out. Um, because I think adding on to that, you know, then I think people might hold you to that label and it's hard to, it's hard to keep evolving. Um, and it's almost like once you label, it's like, can you change your mind? <laughs> like, you know. As hard as it is to like get that label in the first place and like figure it out, it's hard. It's like the harder to get out. And mm. people will do that in all different sorts of ways. Mm. Yeah. 
I think, you know, we'll start wrapping up. Um, but it, I think this whole conversation has proved that it's a really good conversation. There's no way for it to like make sense or to like have the answers because everybody has a different experience with it. Um, but it was super interesting to have the discussion and go back and forth with it. I think there's a couple of times that I said things that I was like, I don't even know if I agree with that because obviously I'm also someone that's still trying to understand how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been great to chat. <laughs> <laughs> a great time guys thanks thanks for coming we really we really value your input everything that you guys have said today has been <laughs> thanks for sharing your thoughts um like comment subscribe um we'll have another podcast out soon just comment well, grandparents to their old age homes i'm sure it'll go really well over the loudspeakers <laughs> yes and um yeah i think that like we'll both definitely continue on our journey of understanding our thoughts and our sexuality and navigating all these ideas um and it's really interesting to bring more people into those thoughts and do it together keep sharing guys keep keep sharing keep sharing healthy, healthy. let's end there keep sharing keep loving um and let us know your thoughts bye bye Two bros chilling in the hot tub, five feet apart cause they're not gay.